it's time for school days. Hope for moms and dads of school-aged kids. I tell parents, you're like a training wheel on a bike. Your job isn't to make the bike move. Your job is to keep the bike upright. Those of us who are the true educators, we really want to be given the opportunity to educate the whole child. We can get free college degrees based on all of the opportunities that are out here and available to our students. Oftentimes, as parents, I think we want to protect our kids, but I think one of the greatest gifts we can give them is allowing them to experience adversity. Yeah. Here's your host, Danita Bailey. Well, welcome to School Days, help for moms and dads of school-aged kids. I'm Danita Bailey. I honestly feel like I'm in a bad dream. We're all in this surreal situation that none of us have experienced before where we can't quite grasp what's going on. I'm usually a very productive and proactive person, but in the last couple of weeks, I found it hard to get up for the game. And then there's the kids. On Monday, Norwegian Prime Minister Erna Solberg held a children-only press conference on the coronavirus, answering questions submitted by worried kids across the country in an effort to allay their fears. And yesterday, my nine-year-old son, Jonathan, had an assignment to write a one-page paper about the effect of coronavirus on his life. Now, he's my super laid-back child, and as far as I could tell, he was completely unfazed by all of this and was good as long as he got an opportunity to watch YouTube Kids. At least, that's what I thought until he read me his paper. The, the coronavirus makes me mad because we, we can't do Easter, which is supposed to be every year, but not this year. Another thing that makes me mad is that we can't go to the movie theater because I really want to to see the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. And the next thing that the coronavirus makes me mad is that that I can't see my family because I haven't seen my family in a long time and I want to see, see them right now. Also, I miss going to school because I... I don't, don't like working at, at home. And finally, but not least, the coronavirus makes me mad is that I, I can't see my teachers because the teachers is my life. I like coming to school and see my teachers all day. Life isn't fun without teachers. I think many of our kids are feeling what John is feeling to various degrees. And guess what? We parents are having some pretty strong feelings about all of this ourselves. So on today's show, we will talk to two experts who have extensive experience working with kids to develop emotional wellness and will give us advice for guiding our kids through this tough time. Before we go any further, let me just say it does take a village. If you hear a great parenting tip or nugget of advice, share it with your parent friends. Facebook it, Instagram it, tweet it, link it in, and add the hashtag School Days Show and hashtag I Am School Days. And also, we want you to be a part of the show. So if you have any questions, comments, concerns, give us a call at 214-444-5575. Or if you're live with us on Facebook, you can drop us a question there. So without further ado, let us let our kid casters introduce today's guests. Our first kid caster is Joseph Herndon, who's a seventh grade student. Michael Flores is the owner and director of Writer Possibilities Family Counseling. 
He has worked in many settings, including nonprofit treatment centers and private practice. Fire Possibilities currently has contracts with Tarrant County Juvenile Probation, where they provide counseling services for their youth and family. Right Possibilities also receives court orders from the Tarrant County Family Court to provide counseling for their parents and children. Mr. Flores is the developer of Team Integrative Solution Focused Therapy, designed to work with at-risk youth and treatment providers. He is a proud father of three children and a blessed husband. Welcome to School Days, Mr. Flores. <laughs> Welcome Thank you. Back. Welcome back, Michael. This is your third you. time, right? It's my third time. We like you here at School Days. Oh. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for having me. Sure. Our next kid caster is third grader Madeline Newcomb. Catherine Wimbry is a licensed professional counselor intern under the supervision of Trie Lackey LPCS. She also holds a master's degree in school counseling and a bachelor's degree in social work. Catherine has worked in the field of education for over 12 years with most of her experience being with teens and young adults. Catherine recently joined Open Gate Counseling and Consulting, where she works primarily with teens, young adults, and their families to help restore the family system. Catherine has been married to her husband, Willie, for 13 years, and they have three beautiful children. Welcome to school days, Mrs. Wimbry. <laughs> Welcome, Catherine. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> All right. So we had a rough going this morning trying to get going. The internet has been completely bogged down by all people doing all this distance learning and, and whatnot. So we are finally going. So thanks, everybody, for hanging in. <laughs> Let's jump right in. A lot of us are experiencing anxiety and traumatic events, sometimes on a daily basis here with a loss of freedom and routine. And what are some of the symptoms we can expect to start seeing from our kids and in ourselves? <laughs> okay, so our kids um, naturally feeds off of adults. So if adults are feeling um, anxious, if they're feeling fearful, if they're feeling um, a little bit um, um, more anxiety, um, our kids would pretty much experience the same thing, but it, it will be manifested in a different way. Um, so their fear might look more as if they're they seem to be more irritated um sad you know, experience a little bit of sadness um maybe some difficulty speak um sleeping and um, so those are kind of some of them, some of what your some of the symptoms that we're seeing i think some of the things that uh, you know i've been seeing and some of the things i've been hearing from other kids it's all about um how the kids are dealing with it every kid is a little different so not all of them do it the same um one of the things that I've seen uh, in my own children is just a lot of uncertainty. And that's where the anxiety is coming from. They're not sure what to expect. And it's because us adults don't know what to expect. And so we're all kind of playing everything by ear. And the anxieties, I think, are increased by all of us watching the news and trying to figure out what's happening. 
And so the, all the kids are hearing over and over and over and over again is the coronavirus and how these many people died and this many people are sick and we got to stay at home now. We can't go out. and We've got to go out before. And so the kids just don't know what to expect and they need to see us more um, at least put on the, the, the side that we're going to be all right and stabilize. And I think this is a great time to like schedule time for you to watch the news and time not to watch it and just be with your kids. And that to me will lower the anxiety if you just make that personal time with your children and schedule the time of when you're going to watch the news. And maybe you can do it when the kids are in bed. Um, that will probably eliminate some of the anxieties, but the anxiety is just coming from a lack of understanding of what to expect and what's going on. And they feel anxious because we're anxious. And that's really where I think it's coming from. Michael and Catherine, how are you guys supporting uh, your patients right now? <laughs> since you can't actually see them. Well, I'm doing telehealth uh, through a system that we use, which is HIPAA compliant. Um, we have a portal that clients can link into, and then they are able to do kind of what we're doing today with you. The challenge was working with the littles. So kids younger than 10, uh, we didn't know how they were going to respond to doing a video, but I got a call from one of my counselors uh, yesterday, and she said that she had a six-year-old kiddo that she was working with, and it actually went quite well. And one of the things that we're doing creatively is we're actually talking through the parents to the kid. So we're actually almost coaching the parent what to do therapeutically with the child which is kind of a new idea, which I think is awesome. So what we would be doing in the office with the child, we tell the parent, hey, have them draw a picture of this, have them. And so the parent's actually doing the treatment in a sense. So that's kind of been different, but that's how we're doing it right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there are some scary stories out there. I have had to stop looking at people's accounts of their experience with coronavirus because people are like journaling the days and what is, what's happening and then you just you know you hear some people that are um are, are having a more mild experience with it and then you hear some that just sound awful and so there's some really scary stories out there i know kids are seeing these posts too um and so what kind of things can we do to calm their fears well i think the the most important thing to calm people's fears is I don't think you're going to make the fear go away. I think there's two things that people deal with on a daily basis, which is fear and faith. Faith is the reason why we move and fear is the reason why we stand still in most cases. So I think the way we calm the fear is we let people know that they have a choice, that we can either be faithful and we, we keep our head up and we go forward. And, you, and it's really about what you listen to and look for. Um, there are two different types of stories that you can listen to. One is about the problem. And one's about what we're doing about the solution. So if people mm -hmm. want to really calm their fears, they have to be more selective of what they're listening to, mm -hmm. uh, whether it be on the radio, TV, people who they talk with. Um, I have family members in my own family that just love to make things worse than what they are. They like to exaggerate the problem. Um, and I've elected just not to talk to them as much during this time. I just kind of check in. I love you. How you been? And then I, I check out quicker, you know, than I did checking in right. just because I don't I don't need I don't need the additional stress of hearing what's wrong. Um, not that I'm avoiding or ignoring it. Mm -hmm. It's just a way of saying I have to protect my peace in a sense, as a friend of mine, Trent Shelton would say, protect your peace. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's that's a way to do that, I think. Yeah, um, I think also getting news from reliable sources. I have people texting me things from somebody that they heard or somebody that did something and I'm just trying to avoid all of those um, moments of hearsay because some of them are just not true and um, just add to the anxiety that I already feel about this. 
So how do we talk to our kids about the importance of self-isolation because of pre-existing conditions? So like, for example, um, my 12-year-old has D, uh, DJ has um, asthma. And so we have been trying to help him to understand that, no, you can't go to the store with your dad. And, you know, we really need to, you know, be, we just started here in Tarrant County, the shelter in place yesterday or tonight or this uh, at midnight. So prior to that, we had been out, you know, in the neighborhood and doing things like that. But we're trying to help him to understand, look, it's particularly dangerous for you to get this disease. So I think for one, um, there, there, if there is not an on, um, if there hasn't been an ongoing conversations about their pre-existing conditions, um, then being honest with them about uh, why we need to take the extra steps of washing our hands, making sure that um, you know our homes are extra clean, um, and so I think that's that's one um, one way. If there has not been an ongoing conversation, then this is the perfect time to start. Um, to start having those conversations um, with those with your with your children about their health risk and why it's important um, that we're doing everything that we're doing in order to keep them healthy and keep them safe. I'll piggyback on Catherine. I think that's a great first step. And, and some of the kiddos, it depends. I mean, every kid, like I said earlier in the show, every kiddo's a little different on how they how they take the information you get. You get the if you were asking me or telling me as a child. My first thing is why, why, why? Mm -hmm. We gotta wash our hands. Why? Well, because they clean. Why? You know, and I'm gonna keep doing that to you. And the parents get frustrated. I think sometimes it helps to tell the kids what they can do versus what they can't do. Um, sometimes kids are more receptive to that. And if you say, "Hey, we can go to the park, or we can go to the grocery store. Uh, we can go to the grocery store as long as we have our a face shield on." Well, why do we have to have a face shield? Well, that's just so we can protect ourselves from germs. And, and then you maybe can do a science experiment with germs. So I've seen notice parents do that little pepper one where they put pepper in the water and then they take a little bit of, of uh, dish soap and they put it in the water and it makes the pepper separate, do the electro, uh, electrons and the soap. So stuff like that. And, and you can make it interactive and almost like it's learning and the kids will actually do better with it. But it is different. And I think you can try both approaches. I don't think, in, I don't think either one of them is wrong. It depends on how receptive your child is to it. But uh, if that one doesn't work with telling them this is why we're doing all these precautions and you're just getting the why, 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 you might try and say, well, this is what I think we can do versus just telling them what we can't do and why we can't do it. Right. That's good. That's good. Mm -hmm. Last week, we did a show about um, helping your kids deal with loss. Um, and we had Bradley Vincent on, who's um, a grief um, counselor. And um, one of the things he said that so... Um, left a, an imprint on me is that he can no longer say to his grandson uh, because they lost his little sister that mm -hmm. nothing bad will ever happen to you. And so I think that during this time, those kids that have experienced a loss of a loved one or, you know, I have a friend whose house burned down a few, few years ago. So when you've experienced something that's tragic like that, they may be taking what's happening right now particularly hard so what do you recommend saying to them? I think if they're bringing the conversation up, it's okay to talk to them about it. Um, maybe sharing some of your, you know, your happiest moments with those, the, the loved ones um, who have passed away and then giving them an opportunity with you they have of those levels as well. I don't think that we should, um, you know, maybe bring the topic up if they're not talking about it, because sometimes as adults, we tend to um, kind of 
get off our emotions um, or or seem to want our kids to experience what we're feeling emotionally. And so I think we have to be careful of that. But if you're bringing up the topic of uh, losing a loved one um, this time, talk about the good memories that we have um, about those loved ones. Um, And if they're not um, talking about it, then I wouldn't necessarily bring that up. Um, To me, you know, I lost my mom at four uh, to suicide. And so that was something that I had to deal with as well. And so anytime I came across something that was uncertain for me, I would crave my mother. Um, And that wasn't a bad thing. It was just one of the things that I wanted because we don't like having a loss. And I think the thing is we, I think the grief counselor said it well is we're all going to experience things that are troubling and things that are difficult. And we're all going to go through loss at some time in life. I mean, the one thing that's true is taxes and death, right? So Hmm. I think the one thing we do with kiddos right now is we just say, Hey, look, we do know that loss can happen. We know that things can happen, but would it make you feel better if you knew that we were going to do everything in our power to ensure that all the good things can happen uh, so that any bad thing that happens, we can, we can counteract it. And just kind of the reassurance uh, is what can be helpful. It's not a, a po- it's not a promise, and I think that's the difference. Uh, words like "I promise" uh, have to be careful. We have to be careful. I promise nothing will happen to you. You say, "I will do everything in my power to to take care of you, protect you, keep you safe." Uh, that I can, and as long as we both are on the same page with that and working together, I think you know we can be okay. And I think you can maybe say things in that nature, but. It, it's hard because none of us can predict the future. So that's that's what's difficult. But just the reassurance is probably the most important thing rather than the giving them a promise. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to know how transparent we should be with our kids about how we're feeling. I think we have to be very careful because, again, kids are feeling uh, what we are feeling. And so if... Uh, if let's say if they're fearful, I mean they're they're experiencing some fear. It's okay to go ahead and you know what I'm. You know there have been moments where I'm scared too, and then giving them some tools um, on how to help them conquer that fear. Um, so giving them some way because this will be the first time that they're ever going to experience fear or anxiety. The other Right now, I'm giving them tools on how how do you help yourself um, when you are feeling those emotions. Um, um, I think that's a that's a good way to to kind of help in this situation right now. That's awesome. Um, I think a lot of kids learn to grieve through our grief. Um, they watch us. If if you know a lot of men or that don't cry, you know, daddy didn't let them cry or daddy didn't cry, so I can't cry. And um, it's it's one of those things we model for our children. So I think uh, it, to me, one of the factors I use is I, I wait for my kids to ask questions. I think when my kids ask, it's, that means that they're interested in knowing, and I think that's when you can use your transparency. Mm-hmm. But you don't want to bring in your, your, in my opinion, you don't want to bring in what makes you afraid. You want to bring in what makes you faithful, mm-hmm. um, what you believe in, because that's that security. Um, it's okay to say, hey, you know, I'm a little worried about this, but this is what I'm doing to counteract that. This right. is how I'm working on it. And if your kids see that you're always thinking about how to how to make things better or how to solve it, then your kids can – my hope is that they'll, that's modeled to them in a way that they become problem solvers with their own things. And I think you just kind of walk that journey with them. And I would only answer what they're interested in. Mm-hmm. I, I don't give them any more or any less. If a kid asks a closed-ended question, go ahead and give them a closed-ended answer. You know, they say – 
hey, are we going to be okay? And that's a yes or no question. Yeah, we're going to be all right. But they say, Dad, do you think we're going to be okay? Because I don't really feel like we're going to be okay, and I'm, I'm really scared. And I say, well, well, I hear that you're a little scared. What can I do to help you feel more comfortable? Or how can I help you know that we're going to be okay? And so that way you're just reassuring them and re reestablishing that security that, you know, we're going to get through this together. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's okay to an extent, but I would be um, cautious and say that only answer what's asked. And that, that's kind of a good indicator of what you can share and not share. Because kids kids will either, if they're really little, they'll act it out. And if they're a little older, they'll ask you questions. Mm-hmm. No, I think that that's just sage advice, no matter what you're going through, is don't give them more information than what they're asking for. Because, you know, if your six-year-old comes up to you and says, you know, mommy, where do babies come from? Your answer could be babies come from God. <laughs> you don't have to go into the whole <laughs> yeah. the whole story of where babies yeah. come from and how they're made. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Um, what are you telling your parents of children that have mental illness um, that either have you know extreme anxiety or anything that they could be dealing with that might make this particularly hard for them? Um, yeah. What are we telling our parents? Uh, that kind of what to watch out for. Illness? And uh, what I'll say is, um, you know, like, and I can't remember if I told you this off the air or on the air, but um, my son, one of my sons has um, very, is very, um, very um, extreme anxiety and he feels like the walls are closing in on him and we're really having to like daily calm him down and daily kind of bring him back to center and so for parents who have kids that have you know similar situations what are you telling them as far as because they can't even go to see you on regular appointments and whatnot so kind of how are you talking to parents about how they should deal with this time. Okay. So if a kid is um, a medication, we want to continue um, to have them taking their medications, um, <laughs> reach out to their, you know, if they have a therapist, uh, make sure that you're continuing on with reaching out to them. Um, also making that you are um, keeping your routine as normal as you can um, for, you know, they function with, at a certain time try to keep the schedule as um as normal as you can um, for them will definitely help but making sure that you know you are reaching out to their therapist or you know teachers um if they have a good relationship with those teachers as well that would help combat some of what you know the emotions that um if they're missing their teacher you want you have anything to add to that um that's great i i, I think that anything that keeps the routine normal um, I think is very helpful because that gives the kids that stability. Um, and of course, you know, not all mental illness is the same either. That's what makes our job so complex. I think the most important thing parents can do is, is model themselves. Um, the parents can, this is the advice I would probably give a parent. I say, the more you model the stability, the more you model your ability to stay, um, you know, stay with a good attitude and be positive about this the easier it is for your child it's your child won't it won't it's not gonna be easy for any kid but it's it's gonna make it easier it's almost like a, you're alleviating no different than like if you take an advil you're not getting rid of the headache you're alleviating the pain of the headache right so it's it's the same thing we we can take different approaches as parents to alleviate the the blow uh of what they're dealing with uh but we're not going to take it away we don't take away fear uh we don't take away problem what we do is we it's about how we respond to it and that is influential on how 
on how things are going to be played out. So kids that are dealing with mental illness, you have to understand they have a different way of approaching situations. And so we have to kind of meet them where they are, but we have to model for them uh, ways that we are staying secure and faithful in this process, because that ultimately is what they're going to base their security on. Mm-hmm. That's good. What are some of the, the physical things that we can do to help alleviate stress? What are the physical things that we can do mm-hmm. to help alleviate stress? Yeah, I know mindfulness has been a big thing in the last mm-hmm. couple of years. So can can you explain what mindfulness is and how we do that? So um, dealing with stress um, during this time again, um, you know, making sure that you're aware of of your symptoms, um, making sure that you're aware, you know, if you're, if you're taking in too much, um, stress on your, um, on your body, um, giving, giving yourself time to, um, you know, time in the space to really, um, um, take time away. So whether that looks like, you know, you need to go outside for a run or, you know, maybe put the kid down to bed a little bit earlier so that you have a mental break um, away from um, away from the family, away from the kids, um, exercising, um, spending time, you know, quiet time by yourself, um, meditating, reading a devotional or listening to something inspirational of ways that um, you can take care of yourself. Um, and and in turn to help with taking care of the rest of your family during these times. There's not much to add to that, Donita. She she was talking about, (laughs) you know, reading a book, taking a walk, um, Mm. doing things that you enjoy as a way of alleviating your own stress. And then uh, the the first answer to that was being aware of your own stress and that Mm. you're stressed out. So Mm -hmm. I think that's really important. And that kind of piggybacks off the idea of mindfulness. Mindfulness to me is kind of more the idea that you you are more aware of of what's happening with you as well uh kind of it's almost like you're letting your subconscious become conscious and so uh to me i think that the more aware you can become of what's going on the more you can respond and um the way to deal with the stress when it shows up is i think stress is it's different for everyone uh in my in the counseling i've done with people what could make one person stressful versus another is different for one person that's not stressful at all and for another person it could be completely stressful Mm -hmm. and so i think the way we deal with it is how we define it and so you have to define every situation in a way that's solvable and so one way that i've alleviated stress in the past is asking myself do i look at this problem as unsolvable because if i do then i stress out about it because Mm -hmm. i don't feel like i have control Mm -hmm. um so you have to define the problem uh, as it ha- you know, as it's solvable, and then when we do that, I think that's how we become. Um, it, it can be more stress relieving that way. I also think that um, what you know, piggybacking off Catherine, is the mindfulness part is just becoming aware of what you're feeling. And when we don't know what we're feeling, it's okay to say, "Hey, I feel awkward," or "I feel weird." I don't know what this is, and talk through it. And sometimes that usually gives you more insight on what you are feeling, even though it may not be definable yet. So I think that's how we can do it. Yeah. I think another thing, you know, she mentioned self-care. Because, you know, when you get on an airplane, they say make sure you put your oxygen mask on first. Um, and, uh, you know, some so often we forget to take care of ourselves because uh, we're so busy trying to take care of everybody else. Um, but I would say try not to... <laughs> It's funny to say this, but I was going to say, try not to isolate. We're kind of doing that anyway, but um, 
as parents, we need to make sure that we're still reaching out to one another and having community. I know I'm a part of like four group texts right now. Like my phone does not stop dinging, <laughs> but it's a, you know, I have a couple of groups of moms that are um, talking all day long. And then I have a, you know, family group text and we're all just trying to reach out to one another and make sure that we're okay and uh, provide comedy in the midst of the storm and whatnot. Um, <laughs> but it's, it just makes it so, so much more difficult when you uh, don't reach out and, and continue to have community as much as you can under the circumstances. Her daughter is doing something kind of unique for kids um, to help build community. <clears throat> so my question is, what kind of things can kids do to foster community in spite of the fact that we can't gather? So, um, well, it, it became an idea. We're trying to figure out uh, before all of the um, schoolwork came through, what could we do, you know, to keep um, to keep the kids um, connected. And so um, a couple of our parents um, started talking and one mom said, hey, can we, you know, what about, you know, them um, reading a book together and, um, you know, having a discussion on, so which, these are separate questions and uh, my daughter sends out a text um, we created the zoom and my daughter sends out a text with the um, with the zoom code and everyone's able to join in um, during that time so like they you know they'll meet at two o'clock um, on Mondays Wednesdays and Fridays to discuss what they have, um, what they've read. They typically spend the first maybe, you know, 20 minutes discussing the book and answering questions. And then the remainder of that time, they're able to socialize and just kind of catch up on what everybody's doing. And so I thought that was a really neat idea. If anything, you know, sometimes they don't get a whole lot accomplished, but I think being able to see each other and talk to each other has definitely been a huge, huge um, um, blessing. How many people utilize their creative juices? Um, there's been so many neat things going on um, right now. Um, I think um, being aware of, you know, letting them know that um, hey, just because we can't celebrate certain things right now or we can't, you know, see our friends, there are still creative ways um, that adults are finding to um, to keep some type of community with you know with their children and themselves so i've seen you know celebrating birthdays i've seen dads you know seeing happy birthday in the street um you know seeing um, parents going right or kids other kids going right you know in notes to them to their friends in their driveways or the teachers you know parading down the streets um, so that their kids can see their faces. So I think there's a lot, you know, a lot of people are using their creativity to continue that sense of community uh, for themselves as well as their children. I think those are probably more creative than I even came up with myself. I thought that was amazing what the schools are doing. Uh, mm -hmm. The parades, people standing in their sunroofs and waving at the kids down this, the block. Because um, when we go to the stores, I don't know if anybody else is getting the same experience I get, but we all look at each other like we all have coronavirus as we're walking by each other <laughs> because of the distance <laughs> oh and the awkwardness. Gosh. And so it's it's almost like we need to do that that hand wave that they used to do in that movie uh, with Sylvester Stallone where you kind of go like this, but you don't touch and you kind of go like that. Um, <laughs> I, I forgot what that movie was, Demolition Man or something like that. But, um, you know, someone made a joke about how we have to use the three seashells now instead of toilet paper because we're out. But it's, uh, it's, it's just this idea that we – 
the way you create a sense of, of community, in my opinion, is keep things light. Um, smile at people when you see them. It's okay to give a wave. Um, my dad, when we used to drive through our community, as we were passing by each other in the, in the cars, my dad would lift his hand up on the steering wheel and kind of do a little a semi-wave. Even if he didn't know them, they were just in your – you're in my neighborhood, so I'll just give you a wave. Maybe you live in here. I don't know. Just letting people know, hey, we're all in this together. I was mowing my grass the other day. And a lady that I'd never seen before drove by, and she was kind of driving slow through the neighborhood, and she looked over at me, and she gave me this big wave and big smile. And I was like, cool, I just waved right back at her. I don't care if I scout my yard or not. I just wave right at her. And um, that it's just being it's being courteous of one another and giving grace to each other. And I yeah. think that's the best way to create that. Yeah, yeah. I can hear you. I Catherine. think the kids are con- continuing, you know, a lot of, especially our teenagers. There's <laughs> – with their friends i think they're clean and thank goodness for you know like um platforms such as zoom you know where yep. they have the ability of another i know my um my three-year-old his teacher called the other day you know just by seeing her and, and his friends and so i think those are really good ways and um, we're seeing definitely seeing a lot more people um who are rocking their dog walk running in things. and so i think that's a that's definitely another great way to you know to meet your even though you have to stay the you know the six feet apart um but that's a great way of um getting to know you know knowing who really lives down, down right everyone's staying connected using digital platforms um, which is so, I mean, isn't it amazing that in a time that we're in, that we're able to do that now? Um, and, and I'll tell you what, this is a great time. If you don't know how to do digital stuff, man, ask your kids, they know <laughs> and, and let them show you. And you'll be so amazed that we're like, I didn't know we could do this. And, and the kids, the kids will feel cool because they're teaching their parents something. Well, you know, kids love to teach their parents, you know, parents don't realize that, but kids like to say, I know something my mom and dad don't know, but they want to teach us. Mm-hmm. Let them show you. This is a great time for that. Yeah. And there, um, there's something called uh, kids Facebook Messenger. Oh, my goodness. My daughter loves it. She and her bestie across the street, even before any of this were ha- was happening, would blow up my phone all the time because uh, Christina doesn't have her own device. So I had to download it onto my phone, which was really a big old pain. But they they don't just talk like normal. There's games that they play. They it's like a Snapchat where you can put the like a crown on somebody's head and you know, do all these dances and things like that. So it's really super cute. But um, uh, yeah, I took it off my phone eventually because <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I was always getting phone calls from my kids' friends. But um, but anyway, that's an app that is pretty amazing and something that um, your kids will like if you're if they have their own device. And, you know, Michael, I love what you said that, you know, we are really blessed to have these opportunities. You know, this is – I'm 45 this year. So, you know, this is the first time in really our generation that we've had something that has been, you know, this – catastrophic in this you know globally you know we we haven't we didn't live through the depression we didn't live through you know you know being overseas and being bombed during world war ii and things like that Um, but we're in a time now where we have all these luxuries um, including being able to still be connected in the ways that we are in the midst of you know being isolated so we are you know i we had somebody on our show um Stacy Danford, who is a, a gratitude expert, 
And um, if you didn't hear that episode, I, I highly recommend it. But she talked about um, just changing your brain, rewiring your brain through gratitude. And, you know, we're, we're living through a time right now that is very difficult. And, and you know, especially if you're a healthcare worker, you're, you're, you're overworked and things are really hard and, and times are scary. But there's a lot of good that's coming out of this. Um, you talked about, Michael, that, you know, your neighbor, you met your neighbor and, and <laughs> waved. You know, I did the same thing. I, I had already met my neighbor, but he was mowing his lawn and I drove by and, and you know, I decided to stop because he actually lives alone. He's a widower. And I wanted to make sure that he was okay. So if we count our blessings and really have gratitude in the midst of some really hard times, I think that that will help us uh, with our mental wellness as well. I'd love to know from Catherine. Um, sure. I've seen some parents go really hardcore with the distance learning um, in the past few weeks. How can we balance? Like, this is a really great opportunity for us to rest because, you know, good gravy as Americans, we just go hard all the time. We don't really like the word rest. It almost is like a weakness. But this is an opportunity for us to take advantage of that and maybe not feel so guilty about it. So, um, what would you say to parents who just feel like they've got to keep such a rigid schedule and that are really worried about their kids getting behind? It's given us the opportunity, um, you know, to to slow down. Um, I, I, could, I see it as well as a blessing because I think so many families, you know, I know on my end, our daily lives are go, go, go. And so we have to, you know, now we have an opportunity to really slow down, enjoy our kids. Um, I wouldn't push, you know, I mean, there's so much information coming out right now and it can be overwhelming. So I definitely wouldn't push, go hardcore with, you know, keeping the school schedule right now. Allow your kids, you know, to sleep in if they need to um, and wake up. And school looks different, you know, for, for some people. If you're a parent that works, you know, at night, then, um, you know, school might look different for, you know, you helping your child with, um, you know, continuing their schooling uh, might look different for you. I know for me and my um, three kids, I have a three-year-old and I have an, an, a fourth grader and a seventh grader. My seventh grader is very independent and my, you know, fourth grader needs a little bit of help. Well, I can't teach the two-year-old, I mean, the three-year-old and the fourth grader at the same time. And so therefore, you know, I'm just kind of balancing what works for you and your family. Uh, I, I think that limits a lot of the stress that, you know, that families are feeling. Um, and if you don't get, you know, you, you're, you have the opportunity to, to, whenever you want to. So let's say if you don't do school Monday, you're, you can catch up on Tuesday. So just whatever schedule works for you, don't make it too stressful for yourself um, and your family. Your kids are already, you know, feeling a whole lot of stress. Um, and so just taking a step back, enjoying them, enjoying, you know, the time that you have with them, um, getting to know them, you know, creating family circles. Um, in, in my family, that's one of the things that we do a lot is, um, you know, we have these family circles where we're able to, you know, just kind of go around and share, you know, the concerns that we have or things that we're happy or we're excited about. And so that gives them the space to really talk about, you know, hey, this is what I like about what's going on right now. This is what's really frustrating. Enjoy the time with your family. I'll know that things seem possible, but just taking a step back and, and, and really truly 
enjoying um, enjoying your, your children and your family because those are times that you'll never get back with them. Well, you got your hands full, Kat. I, I don't know if I can answer that question like that. I'm going to let that one just go ahead and go. Y'all, y'all, <laughs> let's go to the next question. That was a great answer. She's knocking it out of the park. <laughs> she, she did great. Yes. Um, what are some of the things we can do to kill, you know, especially preteens and teenagers have a hard time expressing their feelings. They kind of bottle them all up. What kind of things can we do to help them express how they're feeling during this time? So one of the things I've learned from um, the therapists that work with the young kiddos uh, in our practice is sometimes you can have them either play it, act it out, or draw it. Um, sometimes you can say, hey, draw a picture of what you're feeling right now. Um, one of the questions I use, like with the preteens, is I'll use a scaling question. So I'll say something like, let's say 10 represents you feel completely confident and you're feeling really good about the situation. And a zero is the opposite. You're very fearful, scared, not sure what you're feeling. Uh, that would be a zero. Where would you say things are for you right now? Mm-hmm. Um, and that is a way of kind of measuring. Um, and it gives them a chance to kind of go, where am I? Kind of their own gauge. So that's a way to kind of strike up a conversation about it. Um, the, the problem is once you get an answer, it's like, what do I do with it? And if they say, I'm a one, you know, what do you do? You know, so it's um, ask them well, how close to a 10 do they want to be? And then what would be the next number up? How would they know if they achieved a two? Uh, something like that would be a good way to do that. That's something we would do in therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the way I would probably talk to my own kid is, you know, where are you right now? Where would you like to be? And what would the next step for you look like? How would you know you were making progress toward that? Um, and that's more of a solution oriented type of question that we would ask. And that's what I would do with my preteens. Um, I think with my youngins younger than that, I would use the, the example I just gave about the drawing a picture, um, or let's play this out and let's, and let's watch them interact. A lot of kids that are little, uh, they like to play things out and act things out more than they like to talk about it because they may not have the words and the capacity to describe it. Mm-hmm. So that's why play therapists are so effective with littles. Uh, because they can do that so well, and I, I give them so much credit because I, I don't deal with the littles that well, that well, uh, therapeutically, and um, it's just amazing what they can do with kids uh, that age. So that would be the way that I would do that. So I think you know another way, uh, and I think that was a great answer um, to those questions, uh, Michael. I think another way is um, some sometimes kids don't have the vocabulary to be able to share what they're experiencing. Mm-hmm. And for the younger ones, uh, reading books about um, reading books with and then just asking them, you know, how would how do you feel, you know, about um, or how do you is feeling um, in the story? And have you ever felt um, felt that way? Um, So asking them questions that goes along with the characters in the book. So that way it's not um, so much on them, especially for our older ones, really. Um, it's not so much about, you know, them sharing, you know, their personal story, but you're relating it to the books. And that goes along with movies as well. So if y'all are watching a family movie and, you know, something happens in the, you know, on the show, um, questions um, to, to draw more of the, their, their feelings out of um, what they might be experiencing. But sometimes, too, for um, getting a lot of our teenagers outside of their rooms. I know a lot of them like to spend time in their um, in their rooms, uh, but getting them outside um, to allow you to, uh, allow them to help you with things around the house, so that way they're more open to being able to share with you what their experience, their feelings are. I think definitely helps you. Yeah, so good. Um, are there any resources that maybe? probably online um, that, that 
you would recommend for kids and for adults um, to receive emotional um, support and um, mental like me- mental wellness check? Is there any uh, hotline that they can call or a website that they can go to to just kind of, um, if they're not doing okay, either kids or mom and dad, grandparents, whoever? You know, one of the, the places we use in Tarrant County a lot is called the Warm Place. They're a grieving center. Um, I would wonder if maybe reaching out to them uh, and seeing how they're approaching this process might be a start. I know there's hotlines that MHMR has. Uh, you can even just look that up um, online. I know Lena Pope had a hotline, uh, which is a social service agency here in Tarrant County. Uh, Catholic Charities uh, was another place that people could reach out to. And, and anyone that has a hotline would probably be a good first step uh, because they'll have some mental health professional of some sort or mental health tech uh, that usually might call you back mm-hmm. um, or or even answer the call. Uh, if you have specific questions in regards to mental health or if you're not doing very well. Uh, other resources outside of that, I- I'm not sure. I know the schools, uh, at least the school my kids go to, they're sending out resources uh, via email to, by blasting the families. Uh, educational resources, good reading, things to do with your kids, some ideas. So maybe getting in touch with someone at the school, if it's a school counselor, if it's a teacher, um, they may be a good uh you know, kind of the front lines people might be a good first step for you and the families. Mm-hmm. Catherine, do you have anything to add to that? Yes. Um, and I, I don't know if he's already mentioned this because it was going in and out. Um, but um, reach, looking at your your district's website, um, I think that's a that, um, that's a big help um, because there's lots of resources on there um, for your community. Um, another one that I have is the crisis tech. Um, Michael, I'm not sure if you shared this or not, um, but it's like if you find yourself crisis, um, if you'll text any type of crisis, they will connect you to a real life human being that's able to help you in that situation at this time. And then, of course, definitely you utilizing 911 if, you know, if um, if you're needing to do that as well. Michael, did you hear all of that? Because it broke up. Um, it, you didn't? Okay. Yeah, it broke up a little bit, too. Okay. We will. I'll, you know, I'll check with um, Catherine and um, get all of these resources on schooldaysshow.com. And I would also say um, re- reach out to your local churches. Um, either by uh, phone or by um, their website. Um, and even if it's not a local church, I mean, I can give you guys, my church is, uh, tcalchurch.com. They actually have on the bottom of a page, uh, a prayer request button. And in addition to just drop, just typing in your prayer request, you can also check a box that says, I want somebody to call me. And, um, that's also a good resource, um, as churches are, are really going to be there for people, um, especially during these times. That's great. Hey, Catherine, can you hear us? I can hear you. Yeah. Okay. The one, she froze up. The one thing that um, I didn't catch and I think might have been frozen frozen was you said crisis tech. Is that what you said? Oh, yes, the crisis text line. Okay. So they'll text home, H-O-M-E, to 741-741. They will connect you to a real-life human being that's able, that's a trained crisis counselor. So the crisis text line allows you just to text, you know, um, 
questions um, throughout the, through, it's 24 seven, there's a counselor that's available to you. But if you're in the midst of a, um, of, of a real life crisis, then definitely text the, the home to that 741-741 number and they'll connect you to a real thing. Awesome. Okay. Well, I will get all these resources um, mm -hmm. up on schooldaysshow.com so that everybody can access them. Uh, we are out of time. You guys have been amazing. Catherine and Michael, thank you guys so much for your time. This has been wonderful. You're welcome. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you for having us. So Noggin Educational Foundation is the premier sponsor of School Days, so we always want to let you guys know what's happening with Noggin. Our mission is to help close the achievement gap for economically disadvantaged children by improving educational opportunities for students, supporting families, and encouraging excellence and innovation in the classroom. School Days is part of our commitment to support families by providing access to experts who offer information and resources regarding all topics that impact education. If you love this program, please consider donating to Noggin. Your gift will be tax deductible. Head to our website, schooldazedshow.com, to give today. Next week on School Dazed, I'll sit down with Dr. Stephanie L. Oteba, professor of teaching and learning at Southern Methodist University and the editor of the Journal of Learning Disabilities. She will give an overview of learning disabilities, what to look for, and how to get the help your child needs. So don't forget to share that with your parent friends. And as always, head to our website, schooldazedshow.com, for more information about all that we're doing and for the resources mentioned on School Days. And remember, you don't ever have to miss a show. Find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, and pretty much anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Noggin Foundation. And last, but never least, um, we always want to end the show by saying that David and I are parenting by grace. We depend on God to give us the wisdom and strength that we need to raise our kids into flourishing adults. And if you would like to know more about that, please feel free to email me at info at schooldazedshow.com. Have a great week and stay safe. School Dazed is sponsored by Noggin Educational Foundation. At Noggin, we provide free educational resources to students from low-income families and support to their parents like the preceding broadcast. School Days is made possible by the generosity of listeners just like you. Please consider donating to Noggin at Noggin, N-O-G-G-I-N, foundation.org.